welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And today we're excited to be joined by Dr. Abhijit Nakave, a physician at Mary Washington Hospital who developed a digital platform to help connect doctors around the world with patients in India for thousands of virtual consultations during a COVID-19 surge in India this year. We'll chat about that effort and more in a moment, but first, welcome to the program, Dr. Nakave. Thanks so much for having me in the program. Well, it's our pleasure, and we appreciate you being with us. So let's start by discussing MD Talk, which, as we mentioned, is a digital platform you established in 2014 to help people obtain information about health and, and their personal health. This year, you successfully leveraged this tool during a pandemic surge in India. The platform helped connect more than 400 doctors from the U.S. and Canada, the U.K., Singapore, and Australia to patients in India. And the results have been pretty remarkable, with more than 4 million visits to the mdtalk.com website and more than 30,000 virtual visits between doctors who live in other parts of the world. So with that background, if you could, sir, tell us about the latest news about MD Talk and its origins and how this all came together. Absolutely, yeah. It's my pleasure to, you know, present this project as well. MD Talk is something is very dear to my heart. And, you know, after moving to U.S. in 2005 as a student, you know, and, and finishing my residency, you always go back and talk to your family. They always ask you about questions with regard related to your health. So that's how the idea, you know, uh, brewed in my mind is like how to connect with patients remotely. That time, telemedicine was not even in, in the minds of anybody. But 2014 is is a year where I said, you know, let's let's go ahead and do it for diabetes. And then as we went forward, more and more patients came and I could understand, you know, it's not just the medical treatment that they're seeking for. It's mostly their education, uh, you know, self-education, counseling, guidance, second opinion. And, uh, you know, I was doing by myself for a couple of years and then other doctors joined because they have the same thing. Like, hey, I have this question being asked by my friends, family. So eventually, you know, when this COVID-19 surprised everyone about, you know, shutting down everything and no access to healthcare, some of the, uh, you know, wave kind of hit the whole nation in this year, earlier in March. And that's when we found out that, you know, patient monitoring, patient communication remotely through telemedicine was very effective. And a lot of, lot of doctors joined us because everyone had the same thing, like, hey, I really can help go by going back to the country, but I really wanted to help in any way. And, and that's how we de- developed this platform, created tools so that communication becomes very easy between patient, patient's family and the doctor. So it became like a chain and, you know, doctors from U.S. joined and then their colleagues from Canada joined, their colleagues from Singapore joined and, you know, Indian diaspora was everywhere. So not just Indian doctor, but a lot of other doctors also joined say, hey, wherever the problem is, we are happy to help. So, so far, you know, doctors are pouring in and, and not only the COVID-19 related problems, but now mental health classes and counseling has started where the counselors are getting trained by the doctors from outside. So that's where we are today. Now that you've had this success with this program, particularly during the pandemic, uh, what are the the future or forward-looking plans for, for expansion or, or growing this platform to make it more available and accessible? Definitely. You know, I actually left that up to the doctors, how they would like to reach out to the patients and, and how to grow this platform. A lot of doctors are joining as advisors. They 
they're suggesting new ideas uh, one thing i realize that uh, when a technology is involved in the healthcare you have to be very careful not to overburden the healthcare by the technology training uh, if you use the technology wisely then it helps not only the doctor the patient but also overall all the you know providers and the stakeholders where healthcare can be effectively delivered so that's why the healthcare providers are now going into different domains going into rural healthcare and uh, surprisingly you know i discussed with few providers here and they said well why not just go into the rural healthcare here in us you know where specialist access is is very limited and uh, you know they have to travel and those are the patients who require more more care in terms of the you know immediate opinion or advice what to do next so something down the road you know with the help of a few providers here guidance from mary washington we are looking forward to at least work here as well within the us system Yeah, and it's a great point. I mean, we've certainly seen throughout the pandemic that access to telehealth and and certainly flexibility from policymakers with respect to the use of telehealth and reimbursements for telehealth have been a a real effective way of getting to people who are in far-flung areas, who are more in more remote locales, whether it's overseas, connecting people in India, or as you say, just with more rural and remote populations here in the U.S., we've certainly seen the value of telehealth as a tool. So appreciate that perspective. I did want to ask you a little bit more about India. We know it's a a populous country with more than 1.3 billion people, which represents nearly a fifth of the world's total population. It also has a universal health care system that's funded with public and private dollars. Given the presence of that system, I wonder if you can explain why a platform like MDTOC has been so critical to help fill in, in the gaps of the health system there. Absolutely. Yeah. So in India, the access to healthcare is easy, but the quality and effectiveness of the delivery of the healthcare is where the problem is because there are too many stakeholders. And and since it is a like you know you have multiple levels of insurance or private pay or self pay, that's when the part becomes tricky. And then what we found that MD Talk not only were able to connect the routinized and quality providers with the patient, but also MD Talk was able to deliver the services rather than just the opinion. What providers are offering now is they're saying, hey, why not just combine different specialties together and, and deliver the comprehensive care rather than selecting uh, one specialist like pulmonologist and only talking to the patient and then patient goes to the cardiologist separately and then to the nephrologist separately so what we offered to md talk is the comprehensive care so if it is a heart clinic it is not just a heart doctor that's there it's the pulmonologist the nephrologist the neurologist so the combined comprehensive care is delivered to the patient at the same time instead of having that long waiting period and uh, the insurance companies are very interested right now because this rule that saves a lot of money for us saves the time for the patient and you know prevent the patient going into complex phases so that's something you know um, the indian system is open to uh, get accommodated for these new kind of uh, changes or the flexibility models and uh, i think md talk will definitely make an impact in in that system currently Thank you for that explanation. You were recently honored with a Top 100 Healthcare Visionaries Award from the International Forum on Advancements in Healthcare for your work with MD Talk and your efforts to engage other clinicians to support that work and connecting people to care. Uh, as you mentioned, this is something that, going back to 2014, is is inspired by your own personal experience and feedback that you heard. Seeing this come to fruition and have success, but also to be recognized for it, I wonder what kind of uh, satisfaction or, or gratification do you get from that? Oh no! It was really my honor to you know, get awarded, and and all thanks to the 
you know, all my team members who work with me in MD Talk, even mentors, guidance from on the hospital, um, uh, you know, expertise, my colleagues here. I think it is the collective work. I always learn from everyone. I think the greatest support so far I have learned and got in last 15 years was from working with Mary Washington Hospital. They have a, you know, very open program, open mindset and, and great leadership, you know, uh, guidance they also help us to become a good leader i think that kind of changed a lot of things for me so uh, it's always an honor to receive such awards make a difference and and recognized by your own institution where you work and and also you know guided by them i think uh, it's it's all collective effort and i really thank uh, all the leaders from mary washington from dr woodford dr newman dr taylor dr lewis i think it, it's a great place to work and we already you know got that award too in the hospital well, since you mentioned Mary Washington, that's a great segue to the next question, which is this. We, we've talked about your work with MD Talk. Tell us just a little bit about um, your day-to-day work as a hospitalist at Mary Washington, what you do, uh, the kind of patients you consult with, things like that. Yeah, so, you know, after finishing my residency, I chose to become a hospitalist because you get to connect with patients, families, patients, and, and see that bigger picture, comprehensive picture where not only your connections with uh, specialists, but also with, with as a you know primary point of contact for the patient and the family. And uh, you know, as we start our day, we have you know very robust program of hospitalists here, very systematically divided the work uh, where you go and and do the geographic rounding. You see your own patients, and you know you always have help from your leaders, from the nursing staff, the nursing manager, and uh, you know uh, we always focus on patient satisfaction, how they're. You know, the care is delivered, not only about the care delivery, but also, you know, when the patient goes home, how they're going to go do, do the follow-up with the specialist and, you know, how the care is taken care by their relatives and the families too. So, you know, it's a it's a nice program, Mary Washington Hospitalist Program. It's growing and I'm happy that, you know, we not only are growing from the hospitalist perspective, but Mary Washington is reaching out to the community in different levels where they can deliver even the uh, better and comprehensive care to the community. Well, we're big fans of uh, Mary Washington here at VHHA, and I, I remember visiting the field hospital that was set up uh, in the in the parking deck on campus, and that was quite impressive to see in the early days of the of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, Doctor Nakave, now that we've tackled the serious stuff, I do have a few other questions for you, just to give our listeners a bit more personal insight about you. The first, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on earth what would your last meal be <laughs> um i think the combination of the uh, the burger and the indian food would be my last meal <laughs> okay <laughs> little uh, cultural mashup there yes <laughs> um what is one post-covid thing that you're most looking forward to being able to do greet and hug my patients simple but powerful and then finally if you were stranded on a deserted island what one book one album and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Okay, so movie-wise, uh, I love the movie Castaway. I'm sorry! I'm sorry, Wilson! Wilson, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! And especially on the same topic, I would probably watch that to not only just get to understand the situation, but also kind of have the similar scene on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the book, I love the book called Yayati. Uh, it's uh, some, something that I read in, in my childhood, uh, and it's very dear to me. Uh, it has kind of a 
whole uh, kind of picture of going and success and failure and how he sustain uh, the king how he sustain the whole life as a as a bold leader so i would rather you know keep that book it's long book so something that i will hold dear to me okay and uh, other in terms of entertainment i love kevin hart wait a minute wait wait a minute how wait first of all you're not going to speed past that like you didn't just say what you just said like a sadguru those two people uh, i would just like have a lot a lot many videos and just enjoy them Well, listen, I appreciate you uh, sharing those pics with us and taking us through your journey. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. We want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Abhijit Nakave of Mary Washington Hospital for joining us today. So thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.